Good morning. Uh, today we're going to start a new series that we're calling Moments with the Master. And, and we're not going to be spending our time in a specific book or passage. Uh, what we're going to do is look at some of the highlights in the Gospels where the disciples and his followers spend time with Jesus and they learn some important lessons. And they learn more about what it means to know him, to follow him and to be obedient to him. And, and that's something that I really think all of us could use a little help with today. So if you have your Bible with you this morning, if you want to go ahead and find Luke chapter 5, we'll be in Luke chapter 5 this morning. And while you find that, I want to ask a question. Have you ever had to do something that you really, really didn't want to do? Um, maybe it was something at home, like a chore, maybe um, some unpleasant responsibility. Uh, you didn't want to take the garbage out. You didn't want to clean your room, or maybe you had to clean the toilet. You just didn't want to do it. Uh, maybe there was something at work where you were supposed to do something, like you had to clean up or pick up after somebody else, and that's frustrating. Maybe it was some dirty little job that nobody else wanted, but somehow, some way, it just wound up in your lap. And even though you may not have wanted to do it, you did it anyway. And why would you do that? Why would you do something that you didn't want to do? Why would you do something you didn't think you'd saw a purpose as? Maybe you did that because it was some sense of obligation. There was a sense of, of duty behind it. Maybe you just did it out of respect for the person who asked you to do it. Or maybe you did it because you knew the consequences of not doing it. Whatever the reason or whatever it is that we were supposed to do, we've all had to do things that we thought we didn't want to. And that's the scene that we find in our passage for this morning. Peter is asked to do something that he just doesn't really want to do. Uh, but because it was Jesus who asked him, Peter did it anyway, doesn't he? And today, I want to look into this passage in Luke's gospel, and while we're here, I want us, I want all of us to look at the way that we're living our lives today. I would like for us to develop, to, to develop that same mindset that Peter had, that he displays here. It's a mindset that just simply says, whatever the Lord asks, regardless about how we feel about it on a personal level, we're going to do so this morning, what I'm asking is for the Lord, for, for God to work in the hearts of everybody who is here today, everyone who might be watching at home, uh, to bring us to that place, to bring all of us to that place where we're able to echo the words of Peter in verse 5. So this morning, please don't close your heart. Don't, don't just shut down and block all this out, but allow him to have his way with your life today. In our text, we're going to read about some guys who'd been out on a fishing trip um, that they probably would have liked to have forgotten about. They, they didn't talk about the one that got away because really they all got away. And Jesus shows up after this and he takes them on a fishing trip to remember. And I want to point out a few parts of this passage that really speak to the church, to, to us here today. God has something to say to all of us in this passage. Just as he did for the fishermen, he wants to take us out 
on a fishing trip. Not one of those kinds where you drown a bunch of worms or donate blood to the mosquitoes and come home empty-handed. He wants to take us on a fishing trip to remember. So I want to pray. We'll read our text and we'll work through it together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you that we're able to be here on this, this glorious Sunday morning to worship, to praise you, and to come closer to you. Father, I ask that, that we're open to your word, that we're ready to receive your teaching about our, your call on our lives and how what it comes down to are simple acts of obedience. Even those times when we're frustrated or times are difficult, but that if you say go, we go. If you say do, we do. Lord, just thank you for your word. Thank you for what it's going to speak into our lives this morning. And, and use it to grow us and challenge us to live lives that glorify you and bring others into a saving relationship with your son, Jesus. And it's in his name I pray. Amen. So Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 1, our text reads, On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Genereset, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into the one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled, we toiled all night long and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help him. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. And when Peter, Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John's sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Now, I want us to look at three, three elements in our passage for today. And the first thing I want us to look at is the vessel. Let's, let, let's look at the vessel. And the first thing that we see about the vessel that they were in is that it was a place of intimacy. It was a place of intimacy. See, up until then, Peter's boat had been, it, it was a place of work. It was a place of sweat, frustration. It was a vessel that was used to eke out this meager living. But when Jesus, when Jesus climbed on board that boat, when he stepped foot on it, it became a place personal closeness, intimacy, and fellowship. It was a place where everyone on board could be close to Christ. And that's exactly what the church is. 
Well, that's exactly what the church is supposed to be. This building that we're in today, it's brick and mortar. Um, It's just sitting on the side of the road. And until the people of God come in here, until this building is occupied by those who know the Lord, this is just a place. It's a place. But when we come in here, it's a place of closeness, a, a place of intimacy and a place of fellowship with Jesus. I mean, there's nothing really special about this, about this building when it's empty. And I'm just going to throw it out there. It's a little weird to be in here by yourself. <laughs> just throwing that out there. Um, but when we come in, when believers, when we come in here, this place becomes a special place. So what is it that makes this place special when God's people gather? Think about this. First, it's special because of who shows up. It is special because of who shows up. Our Redeemer, our Savior, Christ is here with us now. We also have all all of us here who have been redeemed coming together. It's special because of who shows up. Next, it's special because of what we do. It's special because of what we do. Because here in this place, here in this building that we've set aside, God is praised, the Son of God is preached, and the saints of God are hopefully perfected. It's also special because of what we find. It's special because of what we find. In this place, we find food for our souls. We find freedom from our setbacks, and we find fellowship with other believers. We should be so thankful for the church today. This church, it's an oasis in the desert. It's a light shining in the darkness. It's a place of refuge, a place to revive weary hearts. This is a place of hope. It's It's a place of help. Don't ever take the church for granted. We need to love the church, support the church, pray for the church, and defend it. That vessel, it was a place of intimacy, but it was also a place of instruction. That vessel was a place of instruction. Jesus, think of this, think of this. He took that humble vessel. It's a fishing boat. He took that humble vessel and turned it into a pulpit. And he preached the word of God from it. And those who were on board with him and those, those who were within earshot were given the privilege of hearing Jesus teach. I can't imagine how amazing that would have been. But there's another picture of the church right there. When we come to this place... We need to find this place a place of instruction. We need to find from the opening to the worship to the preaching that the Word of God should be the paramount thing of what we do. Instruction needs to be our goal. It has to be our commitment. I mean, biblical teaching should be the hallmark of every true church today. In Bible study, that's, it's not a time to, to just tell stories. It's not a time to exchange recipes, talk about games. Bible study is a time to set aside and find truth in the Scripture. 
Now, understand that preaching isn't a time for somebody to come up here and they're going to just work the crowd up. Um, that, that's why you come here with a notebook, a pen, and a Bible. You need to come into this place ready to listen. You need to be hungry for God, for His Word, for His truth. And the sad thing today, the sad thing today is church has stopped being a place where people are instructed. It's become a place where either the services, they're just simply endured, or the people are entertained. That vessel, it was a place of intimacy. It was a place of instruction. And it was also a place of irritation. It was a place of irritation. Peter when you read this, Peter, he's obviously irritated. He's got, he's got a chip on his shoulder because he and the other fishermen, they have been out all night. They'd spent all night fishing and they accomplished nothing. They were tired. They were frustrated. They're defeated. They'd done everything in their power to be successful. And they still failed. The fishermen, when Jesus comes on the scene, they're not even in their boats. They're on the shore washing their nets, getting ready to go home. I mean, they were doing what they were supposed to be doing. They were doing a good and busy work, but they weren't. What are fishermen supposed to do? Catch fish! But they weren't, were they? That boat for them that day was a place of irritation. Does that ever sound like church to you? Do you ever get irritated, frustrated, tired? I mean, think of it. You come here week after week. We sing, we pray, we preach, we go home. We come again the next time and we do it all over again. We're busy. I mean, we're doing a good thing. But it just seems like something, there's something that's missing in the mix. You ask yourself, what, what's missing? Well, we're not catching any fish. Now, Peter and his buddies, they knew how to fish. I mean, they were professionals, but they still struck out that night. They didn't catch anything. And, and, and they're like, we know how to fish around here, don't we? I, I, I mean, we have the right bait. Uh, we, have, we have the right tackle. We know where the fish are, but we just can't seem to get those fish in our boat. And that's frustrating. We've looked at the vessel, and the next thing I want us to see is the voyage. There's a voyage. First thing that we see is that Jesus, he gives a command to Peter um, and the men in the boat. So there's this command in there. He says, put out and let down. And there's a couple of important, really big things right here. First, understand there was nothing wrong with the vessel. There was absolutely nothing wrong with the vessel that day. When, when Jesus said, take that boat out into deeper water, it wasn't taking on water. It wasn't sinking. It didn't have any problems. And, and just so you understand, there was nothing wrong 
with this church today. Yeah, there's going to be critics. There's going to be critics on the inside. There's going to be critics on the outside. But as long as we're doing what he's called us to do, the church, his church, his church is a thing of real power. There is nothing wrong with the vessel. And yes, today the waters we're in, they're rough. Some of us, well, we might be seasick. Some, some of us might be frustrated. But his ship, his ship is staying on course today. And no matter what fault that you're trying to find, it's only the boat. And you don't fix a leaky boat from the outside. There was nothing wrong with the vessel. And the next thing is they were headed. They were headed to where the fish were. They were going to where the fish were at. Jesus knew the fish weren't where the boat was. That's obvious, wasn't it? If they expected to catch any fish, they would have to go out to where the fish were swimming. And during the heat of the day, that meant moving out into deeper waters. The fish didn't go into the shallows during the day. And obviously, there were no fish in the boat. They had to go out into the deep. And the same is true for us. If we're going to share the gospel, if we're going to tell people about Jesus, if we're going to reach people, see, we're out, we're casting our nets, but we're fishing too close to the shore. The fish are out there, but they're out there in the deep waters. And if we're going to throw the net over them, we're going to have to go out to where the fish are. I mean, we can pray and we can ask God to save souls, but until, until the time that we actually go to where they are, we're going to see very few people saved. Jesus said in Mark 16, verse 15, he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. He didn't say, sit where you are, sit in your pew. He didn't say, stay in your house. He said, go. The important word is go. And we can't fish until we go to where the fish are. And the next thing is, and this is important, a net, a net won't fill up until it's first put down. Does that make sense? A net will not fill up until it's first put down. The disciples, they could have washed those nets, mended those nets, hauled those nets all over that lake, but they would never catch a single fish. They wouldn't catch one until they let those nets down. They could have bought the finest nets that money could buy, and they still wouldn't have caught a single fish until they put them out. They could have studied all the newest ways of fishing. They could have found out how to cast nets better, draw nets better. But until they actually put the nets into the water, they'd catch nothing. 
They could have talked with the other fishermen. They could have said, so how are you guys doing? What are your numbers like? How are things going with you guys? Are you catching anything? Nobody has any success until the nets get put down. Get the picture. For some reason, for some reason, we think that if we have just the right translation of the Bible, the right kind of preaching, the right kind of music, the right kind of standards, the right kind of clothes, uh, if we say the right things and do the right things, then the fish are guaranteed. If we need to know the truth is, that's wrong. Church people, we talk about witnessing. We, we learn new methods of witnessing. They come up with a new program every year in the KBC on how to witness to people. We develop services. We, we build aquariums where any fish would be happy to live. And we just wait and hope they swim in. And the truth is they don't. And they're not going to. Just as it was that day, Jesus knows exactly where all the fish are. And he's sending us to go where they are. And he says, go and fish. And just like he did then, when we obey his commands, when we put the nets down, he will fill them. I mean, listen, all of our plans, our programs, all of our efforts, they're all useless unless they're designed and directed by the Lord. But when the church, when his people, when his people go to where he leads them and lets down the nets, he's going to fill them up for his glory. There was a command, and next there was a concern. There was a concern. When Peter, when he hears this command, he reminds Jesus, he says, we've been up fishing all night. We've done the best thing that we could do. We caught nothing. We didn't even get a cold last night. Now, nighttime's the best time for the fishing because it's not as hot. It's when the fish are biting, but they were closer to the surface. They worked so hard. All night. It says they toiled, and that just means that they were to labor with wearisome effort. You ever had a day like that where you've just worked and you get home and you're thinking, boy, I just want to take a bath in like Bengay? <laughs> I would prefer Biofreeze, but if you have a cut, that's going to hurt. Um, they were sore and tired all night long. These men, they had put the nets out, pulled them back in, put them out, pulled them back in, put them out, pulled them back in, and they had took nothing. They'd fished all night long. They didn't even get a sardine out of it. Not that they would eat one, but... All they wanted that morning was to go home, go to sleep, and forget about that long, awful waste at night. To me, just because I'm a little bit of a nerd, um, when Peter answers him and he says, 
you know, Lord, we've already tried it. It didn't work. I, I, I picture him with the Luke Skywalker voice when Uncle Owen says, hey, I need you to go take care of this. And, and he says, but I was going to the Tashi station to pick up some power converters. And he says, you'll have time to mess around with your friends later. There's work to be done. And I'm like, oh, I guess so. Sorry. He says, Lord, we've tried that. It didn't work. We're professionals. This is our job. We know what we're doing. I almost kind of, maybe Luke didn't record it, but I get the impression he says, aren't you a carpenter? We're fishermen. Leave the fishing to us. We tried it. It didn't work. There's no use going out there again. And to me, Peter, he sounds like that typical Baptist, doesn't he? No offense. (laughs) I mean, we look at all these programs that we've tried in the past, and we see very little, if any, success, and we say, there's no use in us trying that again. We don't need to bother doing that again. We, We know how to do it. We've tried it, and it didn't work for us. Maybe we're a little bit like those disciples. Maybe we've always tried in our own power. Maybe we didn't go when he told us to go. Maybe we didn't even include him in the things we did in the past. But understand that all of our efforts are doomed if he is not in it. We've looked at the vessel, the voyage, and the last one is the victory. There's a victory in here. In spite, in spite of these fishermen being tired, frustrated, filled with doubt, Peter, he obeys a little grudgingly. And because he did, he was included in some miracles that he would have missed out on otherwise. Think of this. God can work in spite of our doubts. Peter didn't think anything was going to happen that day. But he got proved wrong, didn't he? It's all about obedience. But in that victory, we first see a miracle involving the fish. There's a miracle involving the fish. When Peter and the disciples, they finally obey Jesus, they catch so many fishes. No, fish. It's not fishes. They catch so many fish that their nets are going to break. So they call their partners in from the other boat. And they pull in so many fish that both boats are starting to sink. And they're like, whoa! We're fishing in the wrong place. At the wrong time of day. And they still experienced success. And it didn't make any sense to them. But they couldn't deny the results, could they? And one day, Jesus is going to say to us here at Highland Hills, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And when he does that, I am sure that some of you are going to want to argue about it. Say, well, we've done that in the past and it didn't work. We're not doing it again. Some are going to say, we've tried that before. It didn't work too well. But because he wants us to, we're going to let those nets down. 
And those who are willing to be obedient are going to see him do something incredible. You see, there are plenty of fish out there today. More than enough to fill this building and many, many more like it. If you want to see a miracle, if you want to see him save souls, if you want to see him fill this place to overflowing, then we need to learn to put down the nets when, where, and how he says for us to do it. And that's the secret to success. Going when he says to go and doing what he says to do. There was a miracle with the fish. And then there was another miracle with the fishermen. When Peter and the others, when they saw what Jesus had done, these rough, crude fishermen, I mean, they probably talk like sailors, they fell at his feet in worship. They're amazed at his power, and they glorified him for what he'd done. And you need to understand that nothing in this world could fill us with a greater desire for worship than seeing him save people's souls. And when we start seeing him move in power in our churches, our homes, our communities, our relationships, we're going to be so filled with excitement, love, and this overwhelming desire to magnify him in our lives. Let me ask this, do you want to see this church, do you want God to fill this church with excitement for His glory? I guess not. If you do, you need to set out into the deep and let down your net. Share the gospel wherever you go, and He'll do the rest. There was a miracle with the fish, the fishermen, and finally, there was a miracle with the future. Jesus tells them, you haven't seen anything yet. You, you think this was something? You think all these fish, you just, you're just seeing dinner or having enough money to get by for the next couple of weeks. You think that this was something? Just Wait until you see souls getting caught in the gospel net. Scripture tells us that these men, they left their nets, their boats, and they followed Jesus. And because those men did that that day, you and I are here today. Think about it. Peter, who bowed, who fell at Jesus' feet on that boat, later would stand in Jerusalem and, and preach on Pentecost. And when he did that day, 3,000 people's lives were changed. 3,000 people came to Christ in one day. This man who doubted and had misgivings. Those men, they picked up the gospel net and they cast it far and wide. And others would pick it up after them and others and others until one day somebody cast that net and we were caught. That's how this has always worked. 
And today, right here, right here, right here, right now, that net is in our vessel. Is Jesus speaking into your life today, telling you to set out into the deep and let down your net? Because I think he is. The question, I guess, is what are we going to do about it? See, we can see a miracle involving the future if we go with him and cast where he tells us to. Really, I guess, the question is, are we willing to go outside our comfort zones and cast those nets? Or maybe the question needs to be, is it our desire to see fish in those nets? Or do we want to be like kids and argue with it? When, when I was a little kid, I had an uncle who was really into fishing. I mean, he would go fishing a couple times a week. And they, in Southgate, they filled it in. It's a baseball field now, which is weird. You don't fill in baseball or lakes and make baseball fields. But he, he loved to fish. And what he caught, he, he ate. But he had a bunch of aquariums and raised a lot of fish. He loved cichlids. But none of those fish in his aquarium jumped out of a river or a lake or a pond into his aquarium. All of the fish that made their way in there, he went and got and brought them back. We have a responsibility. I mean, we might have the best aquarium around here. We might have the best decorations around here. Um, cleanest water, whatever you want to think. Fish don't jump into aquariums. People go get them and bring them back. Our responsibility is to go out into the deep and cast those nets and bring in the catch. He'll change those lives. But if we don't go and do that, that's called disobedience. As the praise team comes this morning, my challenge for you is, first, if you don't know Christ, if you've never submitted to Him as your personal Savior and Lord, know the truth that Jesus came into this world he lived a perfect, sinless life. He was accused, he was tried, and he was put to death on a Roman cross. And for three days, he laid in a tomb. But on that third day, God raised him back to life, putting paid to our debt. Showing us that death, that it's not the end. That we have a hope and a future. Paul would later tell us in Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. And that's it. It's that simple. It's that easy to be reconciled with God. And today, if you do know Christ, and it's been a long time since your nets have been cast, if it's been a long time since... You've went out into the deep. Maybe your nets are a little bit mangled. 
Why are you saying go? You just go and do it, and I will take care of the rest. But you won't ever see anything come unless you do. So this morning, if you don't know Christ, I encourage you to come forward this morning and accept His free gift of forgiveness.